Today's readings for me reminded me of my grandmother, who was nothing if she was not a practical person. And I remember having various very brief theological conversations with her, one of them being about prayer. My grandmother would sniff a little bit and say, I don't think God can be bothered with the petty things of my life. <laughs> I think God has much more important things to do, she would say. And that would promptly end the discussion. And in a way, you, can, you, could, you could draw that conclusion from this beautiful passage from Isaiah today, which extols the virtues of God's power and, and the breadth of God's presence. There is a sense in which Isaiah is unfolding a cosmic God, which was a huge shift, by the way, for the ancient Israelites in exile. A cosmic God, not just a tribal God, but a cosmic God, the God who made everything that is. We could pause there and draw the same conclusion my grandmother drew. God has far more important things to worry about than the little things of our lives. But of course, that's not what the author intends us to hear at all. Rather, Isaiah is saying, this is the God you have, a God this powerful, this amazing, this awesome. Do you not think this God can do wonderful things for you? Will you not soar like eagles, Isaiah basically says, because of what this God has for you? I wonder about the words of my grandmother. And what is it about our feeling sometimes of our lack of importance that makes us feel like God cannot be bothered with us? Or maybe it was my grandmother's way of saying she really didn't feel like praying. Being the deeply practical person she was. Life was what she sometimes described as a time in motion study. In today's reading from Mark, as usual we had this sort of fast fire pace of narrative unfolding. We're still very early in Jesus' public ministry. He has gone to the house of Simon Peter, and we have this seemingly trivial but somewhat mysterious passage about Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law, which meant that at some point Simon had to have been married. But we never hear about his wife, so we wonder about that. But in any case, Jesus heals her, and he's kept very busy by the crowds. And then in one verse, Mark has Jesus 
out early in the morning when it is still dark, praying. Jesus is, seems to be sort of tucking in to the midst of his time and motion study, if you will, this time for prayer before he comes back to the pressing crowds and the over-busyness and this overwhelming sense of mission to get out there to carry the good news as far as he possibly can to every village he can reach. And somehow you get the sense that his first followers are kind of swept into that journey a little bit bewildered like deer in the headlights. But Jesus goes out before dawn, while it is still dark, and prays. And I'm always left wondering, how did he pray? Maybe my grandmother's trouble was with prayer is that she felt like it was too banal, perhaps, to ask God for help with running a floristry class, for instance. She used to teach floristry. Or to help with basic household chores. Grandparents had a big home in the English countryside to maintain. I wonder if Jesus prayed, help me help a hundred people today. I have a hunch he didn't. Because we all know the trap of sort of treating God that way, treating God, as I like to say, like an ATM or a vending machine. You plug in a few prayers, you get out so many dispensations. My spiritual director and I were having an interesting conversation the other week about prayer. In my practice, I say the daily office. But he reminded me, he said, Richard, that is the prayer of the church. And one of the traps the brothers sometimes fall into is believing that that is enough by itself for our spiritual life. That the daily office can sort of hold our relationship with God. But that is a trap too, right? Because we compartmentalize God then into four discrete sections of the day. Morning prayer, noonday, evening prayer, Compline. There, done. I have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. The spiritual director reminded me there are really two basic prayers in our vocabulary. One is thank you, of course. And the other one is help. I have the feeling Jesus was not asking God for a laundry list of things. I have the feeling Jesus was inviting God to take full command of his life. Which, as my spiritual director pointed out, is precisely what we're called to do when we're not saying the daily office. So I find myself starting 
this interesting practice of prayer where God help me say what you would have me say and do what you would have me do to be where you would have me be. Because as Paul points out today, we are not to boast about our accomplishments. It is the gospel that, it is, that is at work in us that matters. And the real prayer life calls us out of that place of ego where we think we know what we need or want and into that place of profound humility that Paul points to, that Isaiah points to, that Jesus, as an example, exhibits. That is to be totally open to God's grace. And if we learn to do that moment to moment, we find our lives truly transformed. And then, Perhaps, as Isaiah says, we find ourselves soaring like eagles. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R. S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for millvalley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.